Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. We're bringing you episode 13 live in Cupertino, California, as usual. And friends, just remember, if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcast, go to Google Play. We're already there. Just search up Ballistic Podcast and you'll find us. And please subscribe and give us comments, positive or negative. You know, they're welcome. We, we don't love care. criticism. We exactly. love criticism. Yes. We love it. I mean, I would prefer positive comments. I'd like to hear some praise about myself, but negative would be nice too. And guess what, Guru? What's the up? finals are over. They are. And you being a Warriors fan, I'm sure you're excited about the results. I am. Yeah. Very much so. Congratulations to the Warriors winning their second title in three seasons. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm sure you and a lot of Warriors fans feel that, you know, maybe it should have been a three-peat instead. Given, maybe. Yeah. Given that they were up 3-1 last year. But congratulations to the Warriors. Uh, second championship in three years. You don't sound so excited saying that. I, I, Hey, I'm a Celtics fan, all right? I yeah. was indifferent. Okay. But hey, uh, they look pretty good. I mean, they look like they're going to be a dynasty. They're not going away anytime soon. I mean, they're there for the next four or five years, constructed as is. I mean, you don't know what could happen in the future. Yeah. I mean crazy things crazier things have happened but hey it, like you said it certainly does look like a dynasty for the future exactly and let's talk about the finals analyzing the series um i had predicted warriors in six uh guru what was your i don't remember your prediction i also predicted warriors in six okay and oh well, all right warriors in five close enough whatever we were right we picked the warriors mm-hmm. but let's uh, let's talk about it did the series go as you expected yes and no and, and the reason I say both yes and no is because, yes, because we all knew that the Cavaliers' defense was porous and that they did not face similar offenses to what they would face going up against Golden State. The four-headed monster. Yeah. Yes. Tough to do that. Right. And we knew that the Cavs' defense was going to get exposed in some way, shape, or form. Right. But it was... But no, I also say no because I expected the Cavs to put up a much better fight on the offensive end as well, I thought that that lineup with LeBron surrounded with four shooters would, would really give the Warriors problems. And really, it only gave them problems in one game. That's game four. Their shooters weren't, weren't really hitting open shots. I mean, I'm talking about Kevin Love. I'm talking about Kyle Korver. Shining Fry, I think, in game two, missed a couple of open shots. And yeah, I mean, the Cavs definitely missed opportunities to make it a closer series. You think the Warriors were just too good, or was it that the Cavs blew the opportunities like you were talking about? Yeah, like I said, I think it's a little bit of both. I think if if you make mistakes against a team like the Warriors, it yeah, gets magnified. Yeah. It gets magnified in a big way, and I think the Cavs faced that. Yeah, I remember actually in a lot of the games, uh, pivotal moments where the Cavs, they seem like they have the momentum, and then the turnovers happen. 
and the Warriors just go on big runs. I remember that happening in, you know, game five, actually. Game five, they were up by eight points, I think, after the first quarter. And then the second quarter, they just screwed it up. Turnovers, and they lost the game there. Yeah, they were, they were up by eight points with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. And all of a sudden, they started turning the ball over. And the Warriors went on that huge run. And, I mean, when the Warriors go on huge runs, they do it very quickly. And uh, they get uh, they get double-digit leads very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I actually thought that the the series was closer than it seemed. Um, game one and two were blowouts. Game three, though, uh, it came down to the KD game-winning shot. It did. Right? Yeah. And uh, the way I see it, if, if the Cavs won game three, I think it would have been a seven-game series. Hmm. I th- uh, yeah, I would think so too. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, obviously, maybe Game Four goes differently if the if the Warriors lose Game Three. That's also possible. Yes. Who knows? Yes. But I I think you are very much onto something there. But uh, the addition of Kevin Durant really really helped the Warriors yeah. in this series. I mean, when whenever duh. the well, it's more than just duel because yeah. I guess like whenever the Warriors needed a shot last year, they really couldn't go to anybody. I mean. Yeah. Ste- I mean, Steph was guarded pretty heavily by either Iman Shumpert or J.R. Smith last year. And uh, Clay, Clay wasn't uh, shooting Clay, very well. Clay wasn't a factor. Harrison Barnes, I mean, Mark Jackson has a lot of things to say about Harrison Barnes in that yeah. series. Yeah. But, but this year, they had Kevin Durant. And whenever they needed a shot, they could go to him. And he could um, perform in ISO situations, off the ball, on the ball. He's just an offensive machine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Katie... By the way, Katie was fantastic throughout the finals. He, I don't, need, I don't know his exact stat line, but he was a fantastic defender as well. Everybody realized that. You know, nobody knew that Katie was actually a good defender because he was in OKC, where his only role was to score. And now he comes to the Warriors. You see his defense now. You see how it plays out. And Katie has always been a great player. And you know, he did what he had to do. He got, he got the wins for the Warriors. He'd had the clutch shot in Game Three. And that was a turning point of the series, in my opinion. That clutch shot in Game 3 ended it. That ended the series right there. Yeah, every single game in the series, he had more than 30 points. Yeah. And he had some double-digit rebound games in there as well. And uh, some games where he blocked a lot of shots. Yeah, and Game got, 1. And got a couple of steals. Game Game 2, he almost had a 5-for-5 five five game. Oh, five, was that five Game by 1 five. or Game 2? Game 2. Ga- game okay. 2, he almost had that 5-by-5 five five game. He just had three steals. Yeah. He also he had five, five blocks. blocks, and he he was guarding everyone all over the place. He was helping out on Kyrie Irving. He was going one on one against Kevin Love and one on one against LeBron James, and he held his own really, yeah. which is I mean a big deal holding your own against LeBron James. Yeah, and you know, for the Warriors, I actually I really like the way Steph Curry played in this series. Yeah, you know, I, I did too. We talk about Kevin Durant, but K- Steph Curry had as good of a performance, maybe on in a different way, but he was fantastic because. I think his patience and his awareness in this series were much more different than in the past two finals runs. In the sense that he let the play develop. He wasn't in a hurry to shoot his threes. You know, I saw in game five particularly where he had threes he normally makes, right? Those crazy threes. Right. But he passed up on those for better shots and better playmaking opportunities for his teammates. Right. And uh, that was great for Steph Curry. And that just shows you how unselfish he is. You know, he... His patience and his awareness are actually a very big factor for why the Warriors close it out in five. The Warriors um, are the Warriors in general are a very unselfish team yeah. for, for the amount of star power that they have. When yeah, they selfish. when they pass it around and look for the best shot, they 
are very, very tough to beat. And you saw that a lot in this series, especially against the Cavaliers' poorest defense. Yeah, it's a credit to the organization. I mean, Steve Kerr, he implemented this unselfishness. Bob Myers like this. Joe Lacob was talking about it. Everybody in the organization has that unselfish quality. And, you know, it permeates down to the players. And yeah. you see it on the court. And I'll, I'll even give Mark Jackson credit, you know. Oh, he deserves a lot of credit for he, his defense. He does. He does. He really, really does. Bringing in that defensive mentality to start off with when the team was growing and learning how to play in the NBA. That 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 kind of thing really, really translates in a series like the finals. Yeah. And you saw that. The Warriors wouldn't let up on defense even when their offense offensive game wasn't going Yeah. during parts of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, uh, you know, Clay was actually talking about it when Clay came into the league. He was only an offensive player who knew how to shoot, and defense was not his forte. And Mark Jackson said, "You know what, Clay? You're learning defense, or you're going back to the bench." And Clay put all his heart and effort into playing defense, and you see the results. You know, he yeah, he didn't like shut down Kyrie, but he was able to get stops on Kyrie in pivotal moments, and that's what really matters. But let's talk about the Cavs because, you know, despite getting beaten in, you know in five i thought they actually played offensively i thought they played pretty well you know let's not forget the Cavs are a really good offense and in fact you can make the case that they're an all-time offense i mean they put up a lot of points in a hurry i mean playing in this day and age they're going to be all-time offenses the uh, the teams that are very very good offensively you will see them at the uh in, in the finals and the cavaliers definitely if it weren't for the warriors might be in the conversation as one of the best offenses ever. Yeah. They're that good. But I thought they could have done better. They could have I, done better. I really, really think so. I mean, their role players really really didn't show up in the in this entire series. I mean, if you're looking at it, the overview of the series, which yeah. is what we're doing right now. I agree. Right? Their role players really didn't show up. I thought, I thought that they could have done much more. You know, coming into the series, we both knew, me, you, and Jeff too. By the way, Jeff is not here. We I forgot to mention that. Jeff is, you know doing some crap in Phoenix or Cal Poly. I don't even know where he is. He's roaming around the world, going to different places. But yeah, we'll talk to you next time, Jeff. But anyways, the uh, you know, we both knew that LeBron had to play historically again, like last year, which he did. He averaged a triple-double. He yeah. played very well. Uh, we knew Kyrie would have to play his game, and they did. They still didn't win because this offense is so constructed around LeBron. Everybody coming off the bench is a three-point shooter. But yeah. they don't do a lot more than shoot threes. They don't, you know, they can't create their own shots. They don't really play defense. So it's all LeBron who has to do all the playmaking. And that's a flaw. Because then if you have LeBron, if LeBron doesn't play even two minutes, you're screwed. And we saw that when LeBron was on the bench. Yeah, when LeBron's on the bench, they were they were minus double digits. Yeah. And the, I mean, it could be argued that in games, in game three, LeBron on the bench effectively screwed the Cavs in that yeah. game. Yeah, it's it's tough, and you know, for the Cavs, you have to you need some bench players. I mean, look at the Warriors; they got Iguodala, they got uh, Sean Livingston, they got some quality bench players to give their starters some rest. Whereas the Cavs bench, you don't have an Iguodala, right? You don't have a playmaker coming off the bench. Yeah, the Ca- the Cavaliers looked very very tired in those fourth quarters. Yeah, especially and it, it affected them on the defensive end. It, it affected them while they were operating their offense, going ISO. Most of the time, instead of moving the ball yeah. like they should. And, I mean, it effectively costed them the series. I think their depth, and not not only their, their depth, their but the quality yeah. of the players that they get. The, uh, the ability for those players to play defense, get their own shot, will be very, very important for the Cavs going forward. 
but I don't know if they can they can do it. Yeah, and um, I actually just want to talk about J.R. Smith quickly because J.R. Smith played really well game four and five. I don't know how he played in game three. I don't remember that from off the top of my head. He, he played he played decently. He hit four threes. Okay, he, he, he did was, his job. He was okay. He games one job. and two, he was very very bad. Yeah. Games three, he was sort of uh, he was sort of like improving from game two in a way. But games four and five, he was pretty amazing. And that's what you're going to get from J.R. Smith, right? He's an on and off player. He takes uh, a lot of, I mean, quick threes and a lot of, I think, threes that not other players would take. But but that's the kind of of player he is, is an on and off player. And I I think he really, really has to concentrate on on his defense uh, in order to be a productive starter for, for the Cavs in the future. Yeah, and um, bef- in our finals preview, I had said that J.R. Smith was the X factor we're not talking about. And I said this you because J.R. Smith could influence the game very quietly. And we saw that when he played really well in Game 4 and Game 5, the games were close, relatively close. Game well, five, game, game 4 was a blowout, but, game, yeah, but they won. You, they were in the Cavaliers' favor. But yeah, I think yes, that's, in the that, Cavaliers' that's flavor. That's what I'm saying, yes. Yeah. And Game 5 was close, you know, for the most part. Just a, a few minutes there where the Warriors were blowing them out, but it was close, relatively close. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Maybe that begs the question of where was JR game one and two? Was it the Cavs' fault for not using him more, or was it JR himself that, you know, he just took himself out of the equation? I think it was JR himself. I mean, as I said at at the outset when we were talking about JR Smith, he's an on and off player. Sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off, and you're just going to have to live with what you get from him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we saw two remarkable performances LeBron, KD going at it, playing the same position. And there's been a debate recently going on. Katie LeBron, has Katie cemented LeBron as the best player in the NBA? Let's Give me your take on this. No. LeBron is still very, very much the best player in the game. At a very old, not old, but I think he's like 32. 32. He's 32 years old, right? And the things that he's doing at 32 years old is just amazing. The way he's yeah. imposing his will on the offensive end, making plays for his teammates, making plays for himself. He's proven in the series that he's still the best player in the NBA by far, and it's going to take a little while for a player like KD to catch up with him. But hey, KD, he's he's closing that gap. You know, I mean, his he's pretty much cemented himself as a two way player. Yeah. In the in the league, not only an offensive juggernaut, but a, a guy you can depend on on defense as well. But it's going to take a lot more than that to catch up with LeBron. KD's going to have to prove that he can win a couple of more championships and be the man. Over over the course of the entire season and the entire playoffs, because remember he was hurt this year. Yeah. So he's gonna have to show that he can a play an entire eighty two games and be the man, and then still be a man, be the man in the playoffs in order to put himself in the conversation with LeBron as one of the best player, as the best player in the game. Sorry. Yeah. And listen, I I I don't know why the debate is going on now because KD they looked at KD's finals performances like oh my god, KD's a remarkable player. But he's always been like that. Nothing changed from last year or year before. That's how he's always been. And now people are just noticing his game, how incredible he plays. Well, in the fi- this is the finals, right? And, I mean, everything gets magnified Yeah. in, in this series. True. If you play well in this series, you're remembered forever. Whether your name is Robert Ory or Kevin Durant. You, you get, I mean, there is a high um, uh, value put on NBA Finals performance. And hey, KD really, really performed well in this in these finals, and that is why like people are having this discussion, and I I can see why, but it's still not warranted in my eyes. I think, 
LeBron is still the best player in the NBA right now. I agree with that. And I think you have to keep in mind the burden that each player shares or th- that each player carries. Yes. Right. LeBron, I mean, he has to go 120% in the finals. KD still has to put in a lot of effort, but, you know, not the kind of effort that LeBron has to put in. He's getting his get rest. His he's getting by. his requisite rest. Yeah. KD's getting his rest when he needs to. And when he's on the floor, he's not necessarily having to do as much, you know? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I would agree with that. Yeah. And um, but hey, congratulations to the Warriors. Uh, KD is on the rise. Well, actually, he's always been there in the top. But I think he cemented himself at least as the number two player. I think at this the beginning of the year, people were saying Kawhi number two. I would say KD is probably overtaking Kawhi, in my opinion, as a number two player. I think so for now. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi is still remarkable, though. Let's not get it, it wrong. It, it seems to always change. Yeah. As go, I, I think the thing that happened was like Kevin Durant got hurt, and Kawhi Leonard was just having this amazing second half run. And we sort of let it catch up on us. And now that KD has had this amazing playoffs finals run, we're starting to say, okay, KD's number two and Kawhi's number three. Yeah. It'll keep changing. I yeah, think. definitely. But congratulations to the Warriors. And now with the NBA season over, we're moving on to the draft, which is next week, June 22nd. And Justin, hot off the press today, the Boston Celtics trade the first overall pick to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the Celtics get Philly's number three pick as well as either the Lakers pick next year or the Kings pick the year after because the Sixers own those two picks. So depending on, yeah, you know, I think you know the specifics, Guru, but... Yeah, so the like specifics that. are um, the, basically the Celtics get get next year's Lakers pick if it falls between, uh, if it doesn't fall between two and five. So basically if it falls between two and five, it's still with the Sixers. And if the Sixers get to keep their pick next year, the following year, uh, 2019, 2019, the uh, Celtics get the Sacramento the Kings, Kings yeah. 2019 first pick. But so, hey, blockbuster trade. You rarely see number one picks being traded these days. It has happened. And I guess you have a lot to say about this. You're a Celtics fan. This is interesting because um, I guess it kind of says that the Celtics weren't as high on Markel Fultz as pe- so maybe some people were. Hmm. Yeah. Markel Fultz, in my opinion... Is, has been one of the most gifted scorers coming out of the draft. In fact, I think in my in recent memory, he might be the most gifted scorer in the last three to four years, or maybe even five years coming out of the draft. The way he scores is remarkable, and he's got superstar written all over him. Don't get me wrong about that. He's he's a remarkable player. Now, Philly gets number one, and they're going to get... I mean, I think it's assumed they're taking Markel Fultz. I mean, Joel unless, Embiid pretty much gave it away. Yeah, unless that, some like, big shark... Oh, we're taking Josh Jackson instead, and, and, or Lonzo Ball. And but. Marco Fultz came in for a workout, and yeah. after after the workout was done, that's when the trade was officially agreed upon. Yeah. I mean, the the writing is on the wall. Yeah. Fultz is going to be a 76er. So now Philly has a very interesting dynamic. Okay, so you have Ben Simmons there, who is, according to Brett Brown, will play the point. Right? Now with Markel Fultz, I think that changes. You have Joel Embiid... Fantastic in 31 games. He looked like a superstar. Saric, possible rookie of the year. And you got some good role players there in Philly. What is Philly's outlook? How do you think they do next year? And how does this team go forward with Markel Fultz? Well, for, first of all, I I pretty much always knew that Philly needed a guard. A guard who could score, right? Because they got all this inside presence with, with Simmons, with Embiid, with Saric, right? They needed someone who could spread the floor, who can be yeah. a threat on offense from... One of the guard positions, right? And I think Markel Fultz is the perfect fit. 
for that. So great, great trade by for the Sixers. Now looking at their outlook for next year, it's definitely in, very interesting and definitely free agency will have something to do with it. We know that the Sixers have a lot of cap space as well. So which vets are going to be signing with the Sixers? Because you cannot get to the playoffs with just young players, right? You're going to need some vets who are going to need to lead the way. So based on how free agency turns out, I'll have a better sense of where the Sixers are. But damn, are they going to be talented? Very, very talented. And I mean, I see Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals, maybe three or four years in the future. I really, really do. If Ben Simmons pans out, possibly even sooner. Because Ben Simmons has a lot of high hopes on him. Like, he's a fantastic playmaker. LeBron James-esque when it comes to playmaking. He's that kind of a player. And he's a seven-foot point guard. <laughs> and he's playing with Joel Embiid yeah. and um, Dario Saric and now Markel Fultz. It, that's a, that's, that is a stacked starting lineup, by the way. Let me uh, just tell you. But you, you do think it's a good, tra- good trade for Philly? I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty good trade. I don't even know why I'm asking the question. I mean, we haven't seen Philly go for it in a while. I mean, yeah. Philly, for the past couple of years, I mean, at least under, um, uh, what's his name? Sam, Sam Hinkie. Was all about like uh, collecting assets and drafting the best player available regardless of position, right? This really shows that Philly has a goal in mind and really, really has the player in mind that they want to go for, the hole that they want to fill on the roster. And it's, it's a good sign that Philly is looking towards the future in a, in a very po- positive way and uh, looks to be knowing how to build their team. So. Yeah, uh, I I think it's a winning move. Um Sam Hinkie, though, might not feel the same way. Maybe he wants to hoard more assets, but maybe I think it's a winning move. They have the assets, and this is what you use the assets for. Yes. You know, to move in for a big player. So I think Fultz goes in, makes the team pretty good. I like Philly's outlook. Let's talk about Boston, though. Boston moves down to number three, and I think that's a bit of an indicator that um, maybe they weren't as high on Fultz as expected, and they're okay with taking, you know, who's ever there at number three. Or maybe, just maybe... Maybe there's another trade on the horizon for Jimmy Butler or another player for the number three pick. But uh, talk about Boston, Guru. You like the move for Boston? Yeah, I I really, really do. I mean, this is one of those trades where both teams win, right? And and this is how trades should be, right? Both teams should be getting assets that they covet. And for in Boston's perspective, look, they didn't really need Markel Fultz. There was a question as to whether Markel Fultz would be starting or coming off the bench. Yeah. Are being more of a supporting role, and and really, I mean, they could use a player that could re- like really help them now. Like I, I really think that Josh Jackson would be a really good like bench player for them. You know, someone who with a high basketball IQ come in, perform right away, play great defense. Um, that that sort of a guy. They did, really didn't need a superstar like my my uh, Markel Fultz. So to execute that trade and get even more assets allows them to hey acquire a superstar like jimmy butler in the future or maybe draft players who could help them in the future like like build their future team i think i talked about in the past how the celtics could like potentially build a team for the future and hey i see a lot of celtics sixers nba eastern conference finals in the future and it's possible yeah and uh, regarding this trade like people are going to be scrutinizing this trade for years to come like you're and you're going to see like these players like Markel Fultz on the Sixers and whoever the Sixers draft or acquire with those picks go head to head and we're going to see how we're going to have a good like um indication as to how this trade turned out for both teams 
the last time the Sixers, I'm sorry, the the Celtics traded from number one to number three. Uh, they traded with the Golden State Warriors in the 1980 draft. The Warriors, with the number one pick, drafted Joe Barry Carroll. And the Celtics got <laughs> Hall of Famer. Don't know who that is. Don't know who that is, right? Well, the Celtics got Hall of Famer Robert Parrish in that trade. Ah, and with the number group? three pick, they got Kevin McHale. All right. Another Hall of Famer. So, Damn. hey, I mean, the last time it happened, good things happened for the, for the Celtics and... Maybe they're sort of banking on that this year. I like that. Doing your homework there. I didn't I didn't see that set coming. I, I didn't see it coming either, but I watched the ESPN 30 for 30. Okay. Uh, Celtics, Lakers, best of enemies. Really, really good 30 for 30, guys. You should, who, people who haven't watched it should watch it. Gives a great outlook as to the history of the NBA. And yeah, that's one of the things that came up. Like they, they okay. acquired yeah, about the 1980 draft, how they got um, Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale. Uh, for Boston, um, I it looks like if, assuming Lonzo goes number two, which doesn't look like a done deal, we're going to talk about that in just a bit, they could get Josh Jackson number three, which I think is fantastic. And and you know this, Guru, I'm really high on Josh Jackson. I really love this guy. You you do. He's a fantastic prospect. You, people have got to see his upside. He's not as polished of a player as Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball at this point. But man, you look at the upside, that's like a possible Kawhi Leonard in the future. He, he's he got everything you want as a winner. He's unselfish. He's a great teammate. And he fits very seamlessly in Boston. He's like your typical Celtics. He's a lot like Jalen Brown from last year, in fact. But it, even better. Even better than Jalen Brown. And he fits very seamlessly in Boston. Assuming, of course, he's there at number two. Because we've been hearing recently that Josh Jackson is getting high praise from a lot of executives. The Lakers are now considering him at number two. And this is where I think could break Boston's trade. Because if Jackson goes number two to the Lakers, then what does Boston do with number three? Uh Do they go Lonzo Ball? I don't know if Lonzo Ball fits there. Do you go with somebody else? So That would create quite a bit of drama. Yeah. So the Lakers can really shake it up at number two. They can. They really can. And the current, I mean, I think Lonzo Ball is still expected by the media, though. I, I don't know what the Lakers are thinking. The media, LeVar Ball, Lonzo's father, they all want to say Le- Lonzo's going number two. But that doesn't look like a done deal anymore. And um, the Lakers could take Josh Jackson. They could also take De'Aaron Fox, the other point guard, at number two. Uh, this is pretty interesting, Guru. What are your thoughts on the Lakers? Uh, you think they should take Alonzo number two, or you think they should go Josh Jackson? Look, I do think the Lakers should take a point guard. I think it's desperately needed now that you moved D'Angelo Russell to the two and saw some improvement in his game, right? I think you would want yeah. a point guard there. Now the question is, is it going to be Lonzo Ball or De'Aaron Fox? I think, look, it's a great sign that the Lakers are doing their due diligence. I mean, Magic Johnson could have been sold on Lonzo Ball and just gone for him, only had him inside in the building to work out, gone with him to dinner, et cetera, et cetera, right? But it's a good sign that the Lakers are doing their due diligence with this pick. I think on June 22nd, the pick is going to be Lonzo Ball. I just, I, right. I don't see it going any other way. I know Lonzo Ball has certain flaws in his game that really question how he's going to transition to the NBA. But I think the style they're going to play you know, with, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, we saw it's a motorbike. <laughs> That's like De'Aaron Fox driving yeah. away in his motorcycle, guys. <laughs> he didn't like what you said. Uh, he, he did not. I, the engine revving up yeah. got me got me a little concerned about that. But hey, 
listen, I really think Lonzo Ball fits in with what the Lakers are going to do. If the Lakers are going to run a Warriors type of offense with Luke Walton as their coach, I think Lonzo Ball really fits there. And it makes sense for, for Lonzo Ball to be in LA. Now, if it doesn't happen and it's De'Aaron Fox, that would also be a great pick. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens when we get to June 22nd. I disagree, though. I don't buy in the media hype. I don't think the Lakers want Lonzo Ball. I think they want Josh Jackson. I really do think so. What? Because I'm looking at this from Magic's perspective. Okay, what is Magic's Magic perspective? Johnson, I know he loves passers, and it makes sense that he wants Lonzo Ball. But keep in mind, he wants players with winning attitudes and players who pride defense. Josh Jackson is an underrated passer. He's got a great winning attitude. He's unselfish, a team player. So is Lonzo in that perspective, you know, to be fair. But Josh Jackson plays defense, and he's a fantastic defender. And Lonzo, unfortunately, has not shown that part of his game. Well, defense is something you, you can be taught if you have the athletic traits, and it's been shown that Lonzo does have defense the athletic traits. Defense can be traits. taught, but defense is also about effort. And if you don't show that defensive effort in college, I question if you're going to show it in the NBA. Okay. So for I mean, now, I question whether Lonzo will actually bother to play defense in the NBA. Josh Jackson has at least bothered to try, right? But uh, I think it's going to be Josh Jackson. The Lakers, I, I, we actually just heard this a couple days ago. They, I think they actually wanted Fultz, Markel Fultz. They, they actually wanted to trade up to they, number They one wanted to trade up to number one, didn't they? And take Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. And they reportedly offered Boston Randall and number two for number one. So yeah. it looks like Markel Fultz by a lot of teams is the consensus number one except for maybe Boston. <laughs> so we'll see what Boston does with that. And uh, for Boston, uh, if they get Josh Jackson, great. I think it's a great way to start. I think if you don't get Josh Jackson, though, I think you try and do a quick trade, if you can, with Jimmy for Jimmy Butler. Oh, okay. this quick trade, just like snap of the moment. You, you like, Yo, you're, Chicago. You're, yeah. <laughs> you don't, you, I think when, when, when the Lakers get their pick, I think, I think you only have like five minutes to make your pick, right? Right. Yeah, so it's not much time. But I, I'm isn't. hoping Josh Jackson is there at number three because that's going to be great for Boston. But um, let's talk about another another prospect here, Jonathan Isaac, who has uh, risen up draft boards. He is a 6'11 forward. Tons of potential. I'll tell you this right now. Of all the players in the draft, he has the most potential, the highest upside of any player in this draft. It's rumo- rumored that he is actually being targeted by the Suns at number four, hmm. which is interesting because they have Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender there at the front well, They court. both drafted last year. Yeah, and Isaac is more of a power round. forward slash center than a small forward, but he could play small forward. Are you, are you sure about that? I mean, I read his draft position, so Jonathan Isaac's small He can play forward, small forward, forward, but but he's okay. he's not very natural at the small forward position. I he's see. more of a small ball four, small ball five. Okay, But he's crazy wingspan. He's a 6'11 dude. And he's got handles, right? He's got handles. He's learning how to shoot. You know, he's actually got a pretty good jump shot already. Uh, I, I, this guy could be really good because, you know, in pick and rolls, you can switch everything with him. And uh, his defensive potential is remarkable. His offensive potential is remarkable. So I would not be surprised if he goes number four, number five, or number six. Um, he's a guy you have to watch out for in the draft because he could be a wild card over there. Not many people have heard of his name, but you got to start talking about him. Yeah, um, the Suns have a very interesting choice on their hands. They can either draft a point guard and uh, have a point guard glut, or they can draft a hybrid forward and have a hybrid forward glut. So, yeah, uh, I mean, they're they going to have a lot of depth at uh, some positions here. They're going to have to make some decisions. Yeah, and the draft is, once again, on June 22nd. 
My so, mom's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, mom. Cool. Good for you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyways, <laughs> June 22nd. Um, so Philly, number one, Markel Fultz. After that, it's pretty much a wild card. So we'll find out next Thursday. But after the draft comes uh, free agency. And the rumors are already heating up, Guru. So uh, I actually want to first talk about LeBron. Because there's a LeBron free agency rumor floating around that LeBron might leave Cleveland next year to go to LA Clippers or Lakers, but he wants to go to LA apparently next year. And, um, Adrian Wojnarowski, in fact, went as far as to say there's actually an expectation around the league that he won't re-sign with Cleveland, which to me is a little surprising because I think when he went to Cleveland based off his essay that he penned, it was assumed that he would stay there for the long term. But if he only went to Cleveland to win a championship, then this move makes sense. And then, you know, he's liberated. He doesn't have to stay there anymore. But um, give me your thoughts on this. I mean, are you surprised by these rumors? Or is this something that, you know, you it makes sense? Look, ever since 2008, LeBron James and free agency has sort of made my head spin. Uh, so, I mean, first he, he leaves Cleveland to go to Miami. Then, that was 2010, I think. Yeah, it, it was 2010, but every, they're talking about his free agency ever since 2008. Oh, yeah, the, the Knicks right? rumors. The Knicks rumors, the super team rumors, who is going to combine and play together. Is it going to be Stoudemire, James, or Wade, or Wade, James, and Bosch, or Bosch, Stoudemire, and okay, whatever. Yeah. Right. And, I don't and, know who. And, no, and, with, that was a big free agency class, by the way, 2010. That was like yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty big yeah. free agency class because it was a pretty big draft class. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so they, they all became free agents at the same time. It was it was pretty big, but listen, I really really don't know what to make of this. I mean, if LeBron were to leave Cleveland, and go to the Lakers or Clippers, you would think that the Lakers or the Clippers had a better chance of winning a championship oh, than definitely. Cleveland did. I mean, I mean, well, do, you, do you think that's plausible? Oh, okay. Well, and see, in that perspective, it doesn't make any sense because. Cleveland has the best opportunity for him. I mean, I guess I what mean, I'm trying to ask is what is LeBron trying to add to his legacy <coughs> by going to LA? I don't think he's adding to his legacy anymore. I think he's satisfied with his legacy. So he That's wants to go I to feel. Hollywood now? Well, it's, uh, Woj had reported that, you know, he has a lot of business interests in LA, right? He's got his uh, company uninterrupted. He's got that pizza chain, Blaze. Uh, he's got some other media ventures over there. So I think, um, I think this is more of a business move than it is... Uh, I want to win a championship move because if that's the case, uh, Cleveland has the best roster for him. They already got Kyrie there. Great one-two punch. Kevin Love is pretty good for LeBron, you know, pass him out, let him shoot the three. And they got three-point shooters over there. Hmm. They got a rebounder in Thompson. They got special specialist players for LeBron to take some load off of him. And now, now you know, if, LA, if the Lakers perhaps hit uh, a home run with the number two pick, and maybe they have a chance to trade for another superstar, then that could really entice LeBron even more, you know, to go to LA. And the Clippers, you know, if they keep their core together and find a way, well, then they don't don't have cap space. But I'm just trying to speculate here, you know. Yeah, I I, what, I totally what, what I totally happens. get it. Look, a lot of things can happen in this year to make LeBron to one of these teams look good. Yeah. Right. And even after, even like if LeBron goes in 2018 to let's say the Lakers and they have nobody. He's shown the ability to recruit guys. He'll he'll get his guys. I mean, Paul George is a free agent that same year. I mean, there are, there are other guys who he could possibly acquire via trade. <laughs> who know who who knows what might happen? And regarding the Clippers, I mean, Steve Ballmer 
has unlimited pockets. Like yeah. he's paying for Jerry West. He just paid joined. for Jerry West. He's paying for his own stadium in Inglewood, California, which is like high end real estate. And if he has to go over the tax and pay like a lot of tax to get LeBron James, he most certainly would do that. I would think. Okay, I, I know it's really early to speculate, but I'm putting you on the spot, Guru. You think LeBron leaves next year or he stays? I think he leaves. I think the noise has just been too loud. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's I, I don't want person. him to leave. I don't I don't want him to leave. I, 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 I want him to stay in Cleveland where, I mean, he's from there and he went back there to win a title. And I, I want him to finish his career in Cleveland. I, I think it's only right. I think if he goes, that was out, the expectation, right? That's what I thought he was gonna do when he did that. Well, he penned that essay in 2014, saying, "I'm going back to Cleveland, guys." You know, I thought he was gonna stay there long term. I didn't know that he was there just to win a championship. I mean, but LeBron also did say he was not gonna win one, not one, not two, not three. Well, that was not in four. Miami. Yeah, that, I mean, that was in Miami. Yeah. But like that goes to show not that not five, not six. I guess that sort of goes to show when LeBron says something, you take it with. A pinch of salt. I guess, yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, Walge is a pretty credible dude. Um, if he says there's an expectation that he's not re-signing with Cleveland, then I'll go with his word, and I, th- then I think he'll probably leave too. Yeah, Woge is somebody you don't take with a pinch of salt. Yeah, his, yeah. his word is is very very credible. And we touched upon the Clippers just now. Steve Ballmer signed in Jerry West. I think that's an indictment on you know maybe that has some implications for doc rivers um as the front office dude he's the one making all the decisions there i think perhaps that power is taken away with jerry west or at the very least it's tamed down to a certain extent where jerry west has a little more control over there but the clippers um they're making some more news because chris paul has agreed to meet with the nuggets the denver nuggets of all teams and the houston rockets in free agency that's a really significant rumor because remember, back in the back in January, February, Chris Paul had verbally agreed to re-sign with the Clippers, and now it looks like he's changed his mind. Perhaps, perhaps he's, you know, perhaps he's reconsidering the move. Maybe looking for a better team that could give him a chance to win a championship. Denver. I mean, I don't know about if Denver would give him that a shot, but uh, what do you, what is your reaction to this, Guru? Denver and Houston. I I, re- I really think this is Chris Paul posturing to get more money from the Clippers. I think. The, I mean, I think he wants maximum money for the Clippers. I don't think the Clippers want to give him that fifth year. I think that's the issue. Really? Well, I think I it, think I think they see that Chris Paul is getting a little older, and they don't quite want to give him that fifth year of his contract. I think they they want to give him a four year deal, and I think Chris Paul is saying, okay, well, um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go shopping, and uh, when I come back from Whole Foods, uh, you <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. They were just acquired by Amazon, by the way. Big yeah. deal over there. $14 billion. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I was getting at there. Yeah. But but anyways, I digress. So, so yeah, he's going to be... I'm going to go window shopping a little bit. Maybe meet with the Nuggets, the Rockets, maybe the Spurs. And listen, well, I mean, I'll come back to you guys and we'll see if you're willing to offer me that fifth year. I think that's what it is. Okay, well, but it, uh, based off the report, they said they're give, they're willing to give him the fire deal. And it sounds like the Clippers are willing to give him all the money they can't, you know, max, fire max. It looks like uh, it really, really sounds like Bleacher Report and ESPN are at odds with this story. Okay. Yeah, Bleacher Report seems to keep reporting that there's a verbal agreement in place for Chris Paul to be signed by the Clippers. And ESPN seems to keep reporting that Chris Paul might meet with all these teams. Well, actually, I think it's reported now that he will meet with the Nuggets and the Rockets. I think that's a done deal. 
Okay. Yeah, come free agency. And perhaps the Spurs, perhaps another team, you know, somewhere out there that might interest Chris Paul. I don't know which teams those would be. But the Clippers are at a crossroads because not just Chris Paul, Blake Griffin too might leave. You know, or he might stay, but I think it could be dependent on what Chris Paul does. Celtics Thunder reportedly will pursue him in free agency. Uh, so the Clippers are at a crossroads this offseason. You know, Jerry West is there, and Jerry West will have a very significant say. If he feels that they can't win with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, this might be the year where they break up. And, you know, if they do feel, if he does feel the Clippers can win with this core, then perhaps that spells bad news for Doc Rivers. Yeah, I, I would. I, I just, I'm just going to concur with whatever you said there. You pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I think Jerry West is going to have a very big say as to what goes on on the personnel side with with the Clippers. And if you really, really look at the Clippers, they they've also had problems drafting. Oh, like name a Doc first round Rivers. pick. Name a first round pick who's had an impact for the Clippers in the Doc Rivers era. I can't name one. Sorry. I can only hear crickets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on it's that. been a terrible draft record by Doc Rivers. Yes. I mean, something's got to change there. Jerry West, he's, he's actually, he's at least got a, I don't know what role, West's exact role would be in the Clippers organization, but they need a new front office dude. They need a new front office manager, president, GM. I would think so. Yeah. I would really think so. And um, I think it's both an indictment on Doc Rivers and who knows, maybe... He maybe Blake Griffin is on his way out. Maybe Chris Paul is on his way out. Maybe both. I, I it's it's going to be a very very interesting offseason. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and other free agency news. I mean, Gordon Hayward keeps coming up. Celtics and Heat both will pursue Hayward. I think he actually stays in Utah though. I I find it hard to see him leave. I think if anything, I think Kyle, Blake Griffin has a Blake Griffin or perhaps CP3 have higher chances of leaving. Oh, so you think Hayward, Hayward. you think Hayward's going to stay in Utah? Yeah, I think he comes comes back. I don't see him leaving Utah. I want to say I, I, I want him to stay in Utah. Yeah, especially they after got a good core over there for uh, Gordon Hayward. They do. They, they draft well. They really do. But there's no there there. I mean, you're not saying that the Heat don't have a good core or the Celtics don't have a good core, right? They have good. Oh, they of course they have great cores. And I mean, the Celtics they made the Eastern Conference Finals without Hayward. So if you put Hayward there, you know, perhaps they have a chance to upseat the Cavs. But the Jazz have something going there. They have something special. Um, in this three-point era, they, they're playing a little different, and it's working out for them. And, I agree. I yeah. agree. They're a good team. They're a good team. So I think Hayward stays. And uh, some other free agents, Paul Millsap, Kyle Lowry, I think are wild cards here. Because if um, Lowry leaves the Raptors, and the Raptors are kind of left with a big hole there in an uncertain future. And Paul Millsap, he's a very good player. Um, wherever he goes, he's going to make that team really good. Perhaps the Clippers, if they don't re-sign Blake Griffin. Perhaps Jerry West goes after Paul Millsap. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's that's actually a pretty interesting uh, match you made there. Yeah. Um, Paul Millsap on the Clippers would would be better because he plays better in the pick and roll. Yeah, than better Blake with Griffin Chris does. Paul. Ex- exactly. And But I do think Paul Millsap is on his way out of Atlanta, though. I don't think he re-signs. I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if he does. And also with Kyle Lowry, I just think that there's been too much noise this offseason that he's... He's looking elsewhere, and the, and Toronto's not looking to re-sign him as well because of his age yeah. and other factors as well. I think I actually think the 76ers would be a great fit. Well, not anymore, maybe, with Markel Fultz coming there. I mean, you can, you can start Lowry and Markel Fultz together. Sure, and then, uh, well, I, mean, I guess I mean, it's possible. I guess, I guess my point is you do need a veteran presence in Philly, whether that's going to be Kyle Lowry, 
or JJ Redick. Redick. There you go. It's gonna be. I think there's gonna be one of those two joining the Sixers. Yeah, JJ Redick, another Clipper for a free agency. So the Clippers, big big decisions to make this offseason. I don't. I don't think JJ Redick is staying though. He's not staying. I I think he's the one guy guaranteed to leave. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But with that free agency, free agency, I think happens after the draft, um, July first. Yeah, and that's where the well, that's where the signings officially happen. But I think those verbal agreements come out just a few days before July first. But you know, a lot to look forward to in the NBA offseason for the next two or three weeks. And join us next time for our draft episode, our NBA mock draft episode, where we're gonna mock the first few picks of the NBA draft. We're gonna play some the roles of GM, me, Guru, and Hopefully, Jeff, wherever the hell he is in the world. But uh, until next time, guys, just remember, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. Please subscribe. Give us some comments. Thank you, everybody. Till next time.